Yes. All right. Who's eating? That's me. No more eating. No eating on the air. Not both on the air yet. No bangers and mash during the podcast. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan, and welcome to another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. It is the trio, myself, Peter, alongside my friend and yours from the Jolly Motherland, Dan Crook. Hello, Dan. Hello. Welcome back. It's nice to have you back. Thank you. And of course, uh, editor and founder of ThirdDegree.net, your hero and mine, Buzz Garrett. Come in, Buzz. Hello, gentlemen. Peter, glad to hear you back. I'm glad to be back. I'm actually calling in from Dallas, Texas for the first time in quite some time. So it's nice to be here. Nice to be back with the whole crew on the podcast. Nobody vacations quite like Buzz Carrick goes on vacation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a little different, but I have a lot of downtime in the summer, so I take advantage of it. Man, you go on the most beautiful, you get in your car. For people who don't know this and haven't been following, what Buzz does is he gathers his dog, and this time included his wife, they get in the car, and then they travel to the furthest reach of somewhere in our great uh, contiguous 48 states. And then along the way, you camp. Is camping new for you? Camping's new uh, in an effort to sort of try something different. And um, my wife had never been camping. And obviously, it's a lot cheaper to camp, too. Um, But the the key to the whole thing is there is a final destination at the end, which is my wife's family event of the summer. Um, and then the other rule is no interstates if possible. It's all back roads, blue highways, scenic highways, lots of national parks. So we to sh- see America. Should we should all be very thankful you just didn't end up dead somewhere on the side of the road. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I, you know, if if I can make it through the trip without breaking a window on the car, the front window usually from a rock, that's usually a pretty good trip. Excellent. All right, Dan, you should go on one of these and see the United States of America. I've seen a lot of it, more than most Americans. Oh really? Yeah. How many states? So many of them. How many of the fifty states have you been to? It's uh, something like twenty-eight. Okay. Really? I've knocked out the entire lower forty-eight. By the way, I'm only missing Hawaii and Alaska. Well, uh, it Anchorage FC, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, looks like a fantastic trip, and uh, we are very glad you are back because everybody's desperate for your daily dose of Huntsman coverage, aren't we, Dan? Always, always. I'm. I just, you know, I, I wait for this day all week. I just <laughs> sit there and do nothing the rest of the week. Just you know, pace up and down the hall, waiting to record a podcast. Yeah, yeah. just scratch the minutes on the wall so you can submit your invoice for payment. Are, I almost we, made wait, it back this time without a payment. player being sent out, and uh, it happened on the last day. That's time. right. Who? Who? Like, let's let's recoup, uh, recap the last two or three vacations. What's happened? What? Always, that's the, a really good point. Always something major happens yeah. with this club while you are out of town. And I can't, yeah. was it the Kellen thing last year? I think last year was, um, was Kellen. Uh, yeah, it was Kellen. No, that was two years ago. Last year was Vic. Arungis. No, Arungis this year. No, Arungis signed in this last year. Oh, uh, was it? I think you're away for that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Always something major happens when I'm gone. So it's a good indicator that you're ready for the club to do something when I go out of town. Yeah, fascinating. Just amazing. Yeah, Kellen Kellen leaving was last year. I think the year prior to that was Diaz leaving. No, I was home. I was home for that one because I was at training when he left. Oh, fascinating. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. uh, if you ever want uh, crazy things to happen with uh, Football Club Dallas, just uh, just circle the calendar for whenever Buzz goes on vacation. <laughs> now, uh, today's headlining event is the news that, Buzz, you started hearing some noise. There is movement around uh, aforementioned Pablo Arangis. Yeah, I mean, I think we all have been expecting something to happen, um, you know, but with the, with him being homesick and his kids down there and he's been, you know, not in fitting in with Lucha and all that stuff. So it wasn't surprised. And today, um, I had multiple sources confirm that he, that Pablo, uh, met with the players. I don't know if it was a collective, but he started telling the players that quote, he's been sold back to Chile. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's some translation there. Is it a loan? Is it a sale? Uh, all the reports seem to be loan. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure he didn't mean like 
a sale sale, but the point of it all is that Arangis is going back to uh, Chile to play for um, Espen, uh, Espana uh, Union, his own former club. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but um, it looks like he's gone and, and he was not at training today. And then I also heard from somebody that there was some sort of player event in the afternoon. He was also not at that. So, uh, it, it, you know, everything's there on our end that he's out and gone and it is being reported that it's a six month loan and we'll see what actually comes to fruition with it. Well, we'll miss him getting sent off and looking miserable. Yeah, I, I my reaction to all of that is, oh, shucks darn. Well, I think it's pretty clear Arangis didn't fit in Lucci's system. Uh, Lucci's been openly talking about trying to replicate Klopp and Liverpool and Pep and with the high press and creating turnovers, and neither one of those guys used 10s in their system. And just the other day, in fact, there was a nice article about the death of the number 10, you know, and, and, and Ozil with Arsenal was the example they were using. But, you know, we talked about it here because Paxson's not a 10. He plays as a this sort of free eight role and, and, and you get these players dropping back and, and Arangis is a 10 too. He's about as pure a 10 as this team has. And when Oscar was here, who used a 10, Oscar was already, already, already going away from using a 10 at the end there. And Arangis just never took a hold of that position. And then, he can't really high press and he can't really um, play defense the way Lucci wants him to play. So he's kind of, you know, left out of the system and, and was, and was falling further and further behind and not getting subbed into scrub games and open cup games. And, you know, the writing was on the wall and it was a foregone conclusion. And honestly, this is the best thing that can happen for both of them because it, it clears some um, roster room and, 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 and gets him a chance to go back home where he was happy. So, uh, you know, good for everybody, and hopefully something good will come out of it. Dan, is how much of this is crappy scouting on Dallas's part, or just uh, a guy showing up with a ton of talent and being homesick, and just mentally never being uh, fit in with everything, or uh, or the last problem, which is you ended up getting a guy changing your coach, and now he just doesn't fit the system of the new coach. Uh. A little bit of category B and C. Uh, I mean, definitely, you've got a big issue there that you know Dallas no longer plays a ten, a, a traditional ten. He's uh, he's actually it turned out not that good at the left wing role, and you know while Oscar Pereira tried to protect him and and kind of allow him to adjust to live life in America before you know exposing him too much to the league. That that ended up being really his best shot at securing a place in the team down the toilet. But uh, I guess we can all agree that at the end of the day, this is pretty much a wash for the club. It's not like they're losing a key, com- a critical component of uh, of the team, and they're not losing a guy that was necessarily creating a problem in the w- locker room. So um, as long as financially the club comes out ahead, uh, there's no skin off anybody's nose at this point, is there? Not really. Um, I mean, the the club won't come out financially ahead. They, you know, plowed a a, quarter, a million and a quarter into him. They've already had one uh, Chilean club say, "Hey, we can't even afford to loan him." Oh, really? <sighs> wow. They can't. What, when you say they can't afford to loan him, they mean they can't like make his salary, salary. payment. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, you know that that pro. Um, that salary increases taking income into FC Dallas. You know, that makes him quite a premium uh, payday in, in Chile. And then, uh, Buzz, while while you guys were doing the podcast and I wasn't around and I wasn't paying a lot of attention, uh, and, but I was listening to Third Degree, the podcast, I was shocked to find out that uh, whatever friendly game took place, I guess it's the Sevilla game, Am I mm-hmm. am I correct? Did Andresnik not play in that game? The uh, Cholos. What? Oh, Cholos. Uh, in the Cholos game. Oh, the Cholos uh, game. was sent off. Um, Lucci had to adjust his substitutions, and it meant no. That... There was a game after that that he you would have thought he would have been on the bench for. Oh, uh, for the Sevilla game, he he start he came on with the North Texas FC. That's what it was. Side. He was with the and third group, yeah. It was kind of funny because it was like he's actually looked semi decent, not as a striker, but just as a supporting player. Yeah, I'm just you know, and then I saw some social media stuff with him that that was featuring him and something to do with a cowboy hat, and I and I thought that 
cat is living the highest life. He's making a half million bones a year, and he literally has nothing to do. Yeah, you know, he, (laughs) he, uh, at this point, you know, they they use him uh, basically for the bottom of the roster filler. I mean, he didn't even play as a nine against Sevilla. He played as a a right wing. Pepe was playing as a nine. So um, they did kind of cross over. It was. I mean, they did, but that's that was just what guys do. I mean, that's that's just front rotation, and it's like most of the time he was on the right. So it's like, you know, it's clear at this point that he's so far the rotation that he's literally behind, uh, you know, a seventeen-year-old kid. And Coleman's coming back. Coleman is coming back, and he's about to get back in the rotation. So, but are they are they worse. are they making any effort to sell him that we're aware of? I mean, I I thought I heard somewhere there was a Norwegian team interested in him, but I have to assume Dallas is looking to move this guy, right? I mean, I've heard that there's some that there's some interest somewhere, and that I've heard that they, uh, you know, would like to move him. But I I haven't heard that from anybody actually officially with the club. I haven't got a chance to look, sort of pry that out of anybody yet. The problem is, is that uh, he's got a guaranteed contract. So like, oh, if you sell him now, it's not like he comes off the books now. It's like he you're you're stuck for his money anyway. So. You know, it's more likely that they might wait and try and sell him in the winter. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a sec. So if they sell him to some club over in Europe, his $500,000 still counts against the Dallas salary cap? Yeah, because he's guaranteed contract. Even though they sell him and the contract's over with. Right. Well, they still, they won't be paying him, but he still counts on the cap. That's ridiculous. That's because it's guaranteed. It, it doesn't come off until this is what we were talking about earlier in the earlier in the year when I was writing about some of this. Some of it, it's like it doesn't really even make sense. You know, there's, there's no there's no emphasis to clear him now. Like it's the same with Pablo's contract. Uh, if if this loan goes through, the only thing they're going to get out of it is the international roster spot and the DP roster spot. They still got to he's still still on the hook for his. He's a young DP, so they're only on the hook for two hundred thousand. But you you don't get to take that off of your cap; it's still there. Well, along with that is the interesting uh, reality that we are literally maybe what ten days, two weeks away from the end of the MLS transfer window, and so far Dallas has transferred out uh, arguably its best overall and most experienced uh, player in uh, Grezo, and has brought in. This guy named uh, Edwin Jossi, who I've seen very little of, although I am 99% sure you could cut off his right foot and he'd be the exact same dude. <laughs> he wouldn't hop as quickly yeah. as he runs. <laughs> well, at least he looks interesting. I mean, at least some things are happening with him that make you think that there's something there. You know, in the limited time we've seen him, you didn't think to yourself, oh, man, that's worthless. Like like I did when I first saw uh, the Garden Snake. At least this guy, I thought, oh, oh okay. There's a move or two there that's worth, you know, moving forward with. So, yeah, I, I, I certainly have seen so little of the guy. I have no sense of how good or bad he is. I just noticed it was very obvious very quickly that he was all left footed. And by the way, that shouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. come across as a criticism because Precky was nothing but left foot and he was awesome. So, uh, well, I guess time will tell with that. But we do continue to see other MLS clubs going out and doing big-time deals. There's that rumor about the Uruguayan player that LAFC is out looking for, and it does beg the question, if you were to see Dan Hunt and say, Dan, what's, how are you guys, you know, what is the strategy when all these other clubs are doing this? What do you think Dan Hunt's answer would be as to what their model is and how it plans to compete against all these other big-spending clubs? Same as it always is. He just talks in circles until you give up. Well, that's where you have to look at what Lucci says, which is where how many times since he got hired has Lucci talked about this quote-unquote developmental club, right? This is the way FC Dallas is going to be going forward. You know, even when they sign a player, it's not going to be a big-name, huge superstar that's going to come in and play and dominate, right? It's going to be more often than not a fringe guy who they can bring in play a couple of years, turn around and hopefully sell on, or it's going to be a guy that's going to be really young, like a Rangis or going to be homegrown players. I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. They're looking for budgets, uh, bargains. They're looking for the diamonds and the roughs. You're not going to get Zlatan, you know, it's just not happening. Yeah. So I, I, and I think I get that. I just wonder, 
Uh, however, I just as a season ticket holder or somebody buying a ticket or somebody considering going to watch the club, you and I love this concept of these young players coming up and proving themselves and all of that. I, I just and again, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. I just don't quite understand the long term play on how you end up making this uh, uh, a, a real high demand product if that's the model. And everybody else in the league or most of the other teams in the league are, are, you know, really doing big deals. I mean, you have to sell it, but the answer is you're not. I mean, the answer is you're going to try and get kids and develop them. And, if, and you're going to try and hold on to one or two of them, maybe, and try and win some games. But the bottom line is they're, they're just not going to. They're not going to have these big name superstar players. I mean, I know, I know it doesn't sound fun. I know if you're trying to sell tickets, you know, to come see FC Dallas play, how do you sell that compared to these big time 10, $15 million players? You know, you can't, all you can do is try and latch on. I mean, it's not a coincidence that starting from the beginning of this season, they've made Pax and Pomacall the face of this franchise and all the media stuff. But he should be media day, but he absolutely should be right. I know. Right. That's the point. Like, I mean, that's the guy that's the, who they're investing in. They're not investing in, you know, some crazy $10 million star they're investing in the local kid. So that's it. I mean, that's, that's all there is. There's not another side of the story. I mean, it sucks. Maybe if you're a fan and you want to see lots on play for FC Dallas or the equivalent of that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not happening. You're going to, you got Paxton is what you got. You better hope they resign him. Yeah, Dan, I feel like uh, I, uh, after a lot of years of watching this club, I just realized uh, it's just turned into the premier league's version of Bournemouth. You know, there's a lot to admire about their tenacity and uh, <laughs> uh, grassroots work and uh, doing a lot with very little, but you, they're, they're never really going to reach the high highs of winning this thing, are they? Uh, no. I mean, well, the thing is, you know, Bournemouth, you know, truth be told, they're not a Premier League club. Their fans are, are on cloud nine because somehow they got there and somehow they survived and somehow they're still there. Um, I mean, FC Dallas, it's it's a rough position because Dallas sports fans are, whether they like to admit it or not, very entitled. Um, you know, that's that's the Cowboys effect. And they're seeing uh, a bumbling idiot GM who happens to also own the team go out and still spend millions and talk about winning and sign players that want to win. And then the Mavericks, they see you know, guys like Porzingis and uh, I can't even think what his name is now. Donches. Uh Yes. Um, even the Rangers, I mean, well, baseball's a, a crapshoot anyway. You know, and then you've got FC Dallas where it's, we're going to really hope that in 10 years' time we've, uh, we've found enough uh, diamonds in the rough in our own academy where we could maybe challenge and hold off interest until we've uh, finally won one you know for, for selling tickets that's that's just not attractive so it's a cool story but it's just not marketable yeah last um, yeah. last night on channel eight dale hansen's sports segment uh dale started off the, the sports segment by pointing out that it was clear that the cowboys had nothing going on because his single story of the evening and the limited amount of time he's afforded anymore was a Jonah Javad package uh, about Thomas Roberts and Brandon Cervania, uh and their uh, habit of doing archery. I mean, this no such thing as bad publicity, I uh, guess. Yeah, but it's on you, TV, I mean, yeah, okay, but know. but here's the thing, Buzz. I, my guess is is that the front office jumping up and down that those two guys are on Channel Eight doing archery yeah. stuff, and and that. And and in my mind, in this club, that is considered some yeah. sort of a, a marker of success. Right. So what you're saying is FC Dallas received some coverage that wasn't related to soccer. That's the only coverage they ever get. 
well, there was a little bit of soccer in there. It was some background talk about Cervania's run in the World Cup. But of course, it all led off with Dale Hansen, you know, knocking it because they were doing a goofy soccer story that wasn't even really a soccer story only because the Cowboys hadn't made it to training camp yet. I don't know. The whole thing smacked of me of just really weird and odd. And I thought it was cool. The kids are into archery. That was an odd hobby. Uh, I had no idea that either one of them were any good at it. And, and by all accounts, both of them look really, really good at it. Um, I don't know. It just, it just was very funny to me that in the middle of the season, the one time I see a story on channel eight about FC Dallas, uh, was about something that really had nothing to do with the game. I mean, you can kind of see it because Thomas Roberts, Thomas Roberts, you know, does look like, uh, you know, one of the Robin Hood movies. (laughs) He looks like the one character. He looks like, uh, uh, PETA from, um, Hunger Games. That's who he looks like. With really blonde hair. <laughs> Is this where we point out he's from Arkansas? Maybe that's where he got the... Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he goes by hunting. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess we'll... Cons- I, I mean, so I guess at the end of the day, all of this is a lot of whining about something that we've known forever, which is they're just not going to sign anybody of note. Um, and my, I guess my final question related to this is, by all accounts, nothing else is walking in the door. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I... I- I, this, when I first, um, when Dan Hunt first mentioned that there were, there was going to be one or, or two moves. And and I asked Lucci if, if it was, if, you know, who, if he had one or two moves lined up and he was like two, you know, you know, it was the one that they've got the one guy in. they thought they were going to get in Arangis wasn't playing. So him going out, they don't even need to try and replace him. So it's, so the two is probably peppy, right? Didn't yeah. Dan Hunt, then, uh, do an FC Dallas halftime or pregame something and say three. Look, I, I remember that. I, I, all I know is is that whether he did it on purpose or he did it accidentally or it didn't mean to, whatever he was on uh, that halftime show with Gina and they were both standing there like they were doing a cooking segment on a morning show. He set a <laughs> f- he he set a fire of people absolutely convinced somebody was coming over from Bayern Munich. And he's yeah. set a fire of people pissed off that there's been no activity. I think he followed that up a little bit later, you know, and said something about maybe the, over the winter. Uh, you know, I, I think the bottom line is we all know the bottom line is, is that nothing else is happening. It's like this, they, they got the guy, you know, those things have to take a while to get done. It's not like they happen in a week, right? They had to have been working on it for a couple of months in order to get to happen. So, you know, Orangis' development of he's getting out of here has only happened in the last you know, month or less that really something started to happen. So there's no way they have a replacement lined up for him. The replacement for him is going to come from the Academy. They're going to sign a homegrown player or they're going to sign somebody from North Texas, you know, who may also be a homegrown player. So that's, what's going to happen. That's your replacement. So it's not Tanner Tessman. Yeah. Tanner <laughs> Tessman is who I think it should be, but no, uh, that, you know, I'm not in charge. But. Uh, just as a rule, Dan, I'm going to make this, uh, that one should be Tanner Tessman. <laughs> yeah, because he is a grown-ass man. <laughs> he is. <laughs> but he makes me feel very small. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yay, transfer window. Uh, go. At least we have... Oh, this is the craziest thing about this club and, uh, and this particular season. Uh, I, is it not unfair for me to say, what is going on with this team's ability to win games that they should have lost, or at least you feel like they should have lost, and losing games or tying games that we definitely feel like they should have won? They should have won. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many times one of those two scenarios has played out this season. It's been a bunch. Um... You know, they, 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 they did hold on to one at Salt Lake and they held on against Sporting, who's obviously not having a good year, but still they're a team that usually gives Dallas a lot of problems. Uh, you know, I would point to the fact that it's still a, a young team finding its way under a young coach. You know, we talk about that a lot, but, you know, you, you could point to the fact that the center backs are both really experienced, but uh, the midfield is not. The midfield is very, very young. And if you're talking about trying to kill off a game, that's where a lot of the pressure comes in in terms of being able to relieve pressure and spin away from play, be able to draw fouls, be able to gauge, should I go, should I not go, be able to get the other team on the break with the right kind of pass or, the, or even just providing outlets. And when you're playing holding mids that are eight, 20 years or younger, your best player is 19. You know, it, it's just those key, key guys are so young and are still learning 
even if they've been pros for a couple of years, they're still learning how to win an MLS. And when they run up against teams like Portland, who have all these veteran guys that know how to get it done, you know, they struggle sometimes still. So it's part of the process and it's, it's going to take a, a season or two for them to figure all that out. But um, it is getting a little better, I think. A little better. Not great yet, but it'll get a little better. And this weekend was a great example of that. The, the team heads up to Kansas City and plays at Sporting. Now, Kansas City is a team that had uh, started the season poorly, had a ton of injuries, lots of problems. But getting a win at that stadium uh, on the road is always a big deal. And that's what Dallas did, winning 2 to nothing. Uh, but again, that is a game that I left thinking, I still can't quite explain how they won this stupid game. Well, the way they won it was um, not a super high hard press, but a little bit of a press called it, caused a defensive turnover. And Barrios took advantage with a nice setup of Baji. And Baji, uh, as usual, when he's mad and trying to prove something, plays way better than when he's feeling complacent and good about himself. So, you know, he made a run that was we don't often see from him, and he got to the ball and scored. And then Jesus Freya got a little lucky with a bounce and and gets two goals. And then despite the fact they had less possession, Dallas managed to hold it together. They they played pretty good defense. They had a collective feel about them and they and they while, while some of their passing wasn't as good as you'd like it to be, probably part of that is the is uh, sporting trying to press and get the ball back. So, you know, I, as part of the process of learning how to win on the road, learning how to win in hostile environments, learning how to hold a lead when you've got it. You know, that, that was a great step forward. That was a really nice performance in that regard. And win without Paxton Pomacall, which is only the second yes. time they've won this season when he's not on the field. Yeah, that's a huge win. And uh, apparently he trained today, so that's that's a positive sign. Yeah, getting it done without him because he's been such a talisman for them and so decisive for them. For, them to, for Dallas to be able to perform without Paxton on the road, I mean, that really is a huge step forward for the club because we, we know how huge Paxton is and what a big piece he is and how the whole thing works or doesn't work based on him being in there. And so, uh, you know, yeah, tremendous. Uh, we had to give Michael Barrios a little crap for his bodgy like point blank, 40 yards up into the stands <laughs> shot. That was brutal, but, uh, Oh wow. That was bad. Yeah, but that was a moon you know, shot. Mikey's so good. Most of the time we give him a little leeway, but that was definitely 40 rows into the stands. Well, speaking of Barrios, Dan, I do want to point out and give high credit uh, to Luchi Gonzalez. This was a really uh, great moment in coaching growth that I, I felt like we saw from him in the clear tactical changes that he made between the first and second half. And the first half, man, this team was really struggling playing out of the back and midfield was just ab- was just nowhere to be found and nothing was really going well for Dallas. And frankly, they were just purely lucky that Kansas City couldn't finish uh, a sandwich uh, in the first 45 minutes, especially that number nine guy who's not, a, who that's got to be, if he's a forward for them, he is their Christian Coleman, no doubt about it. But Christian Namath? Uh, no, no, the Cruzier guy, the, the blonde-haired French dude that missed like oh, three yeah. sitters in the first 45 minutes. Um, but what, you know, the I thought it was really smart for Lucci to take a page out of Oscar Perea's book, throw Barrios up top, kind of reform the midfield, and play more direct, because that was the key that unlocked Kansas City. Uh, the team got more dangerous, and obviously results came of that. And I really appreciated to see uh, Lucci win a coaching battle on the day. I, I got to be honest, I was a little shocked to get home and, uh, during the second half, turn the TV on and see the shape. Uh, I was at, at the stadium covering North Texas SC and was like, yeah, maybe we'll watch the first half while we're uh, finishing the game. But the uh, the direct TV and AT&T blackout apparently affects Toyota Stadium as well. So we could hear Mark Folliwell and Steve Davis commentating down the hallway. Couldn't see anything, though. <laughs> Wait, they don't have an <laughs> off-the-air antenna at uh, Toyota Stadium? Hmm. That's how I had to watch it. I had to. I, I had forgotten. I had the antenna up in the attic, and I had it hooked up to the TV. I haven't watched anything off the air in a long time, but that's how I watched the FC Dallas game, and apparently that's how I'm going to have to do it here for the near future since I'm a yeah. direct TV subscriber. Oh, yeah, that's hysterical. That they. <laughs> Sorry, I think that's really funny. They don't have a feed of the game. They couldn't watch their own soccer game <laughs> in their own stadium because of the... AT&T CBS uh, blackout. That's uh, crazy. 
Uh, I have got a note about that um, here a little bit later on. So overall, a really solid performance uh, on the road in terms of just getting a good win against the team that had started to find itself a little bit. And it's always great to watch Peter Vermees sulk on the sideline, um, even if the two turnovers came from defensive errors or the two goals came from uh, defensive errors. Uh, 2-0 Dallas against Kansas City, which now puts Dallas in sixth place uh, with 32 points, with 22 games played, and a goal differential of plus five. And now for Saturday, they face Real Salt Lake, who are a bit on the ups in terms of form. They've won six of their last 11. Uh, They are 3-1-1 in their last five they have 21, uh, 30 points, excuse me. They're one behind, or excuse me, two points behind Dallas on with a game in hand. And they are now coming to Dallas with a 2-7-2 and two road record. Uh, and hopefully we get Paxton back for this weekend, Buzz. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? That's the hopefully. I mean, obviously, when you, when you feel good about coming off the Kansas City game, you know, maybe you're like not, not in such a hurry, but... Um, he did train today, so I, it, it it seems like it's likely that they held him out last one almost as a precaution, you know. Um, and, and whether he goes or not, it'll be I think at this point it'll just be a coach's decision on how confident Lucci is in terms of uh, do I need Paxton or can is a home game? Did I, did I do good enough last game? So it's like this one's going to be a coin flip as as far as Paxton goes, and and I honestly don't have an answer for you because I bet you Lucci doesn't even know yet which way he's going to go. Um, otherwise I think there's no reason to think that you won't see without Paxton, you'll see exactly the same, uh, formation as you saw, I think to end the sporting game, you know, um, with, with Ferreira mainly being your sort of 10 ish kind of player, whether, whether he plays it higher or deeper or not, that means Bodge will keep his spot. So Paxton is the linchpin of whether what, what happens with the formation, he, him being in changes the whole thing. And otherwise, it's just going to be, a, you know, a continuation of what you saw last week. Yeah, I, so, I, I guess it's interesting, uh, Dan. Uh, if Paxton is back, what does Lucci do in terms of putting Ferreira up top, Baji up top, and then how does that impact uh, Mister Mascara? That, that is the sixty-four million dollar question, right? Uh, you know, Baji now has four goals and no three goals. Is it three, six goals in four games? So I mean. You know, he's he's your guy up front right now. Uh, Mascara suddenly rediscovered his form and is now happy again. You know, if Paxton is back, and it, it kind of seems likely, uh, you know, Jesus may be the odd man out. I know uh, our good friend and possibly former third degree, uh, Arman, did a story on it where he spoke to Lucci and you know, Lucci said, you know, he sort of asked, you know, it must've been rough to lose Paxton to injury in a friendly for a league game. And, you know, Lucci turned around and said, no, no, we, we rotated him. He's been dealing with that injury for a few weeks now. Um, I know that the, the talk out of that, uh, the talk that came out of that was that Paxton probably would be rested for this weekend, but, um, you know, we've referenced he trained today. There was uh, some guy was probably shouldn't have been taking photos of practice today because it was the closed practice in the stadium. That may suggest he would play. Hmm. Not that that came from us. <laughs> um, you know, we're good. When we go to training, we observe the rules. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see what happens with Jesus and, and that situation. Yeah, I think it's clear that that's the only chain. I mean, Baji's at uh, over the last four games, he's owned that spot as a nine. So if if Paxton's back, then Jesus is going to be on the bench because I think Mascara's playing too well at left midfield. And and even if it wasn't Mascara, then more likely it would be Gassi at left uh, wing. Shouldn't say midfield, left wing. So, um, you know, Lucci's been trying to figure out what to do with Jesus Ferreira in a world where somebody else is playing as a nine. And the answer may be he's sitting on the bench. How are you, you know, Buzz, I noticed uh, in the middle of the game, you you tweeted out during the Kansas City game that you thought Jesus was playing the position very well. And when you said that, I was kind of caught off guard because at that, that was a point in the game where I felt like there was just nothing going right in terms of the attack. They couldn't even get out of their own half of the field. And I was interested on in how you had come to the conclusion that you thought he was playing that position well. Yeah, what I liked was... Um, 
his distribution sort of into the final third. He was making, um, you know, the whole team wasn't getting into the final third, but I thought his passing, you know, was, was connecting in the, as far forward as the team was, his passing was connecting. And in the first half, um, you know, he had a key pass up into the ahead of himself and he had a couple other connected passes. And if you include the whole game, he ended up with uh, four key passes, which is way more than anybody else. I, I think nobody else even only had one. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, it wasn't that he was, uh, it wasn't that he was necessarily dominating the game. I just, I liked his positioning. I liked the way he was going forward with his play. The whole team was too deep, but I, I just, I just thought he looked bright and looked like he was taking advantage of opportunities when they were coming to him. You know, I, is you know he's not going to be Paxton. He's not going to make those aggressive dribbles, even though we would like him to. You know he's going to be you know, slightly different. He's not a string puller like Thomas Roberts either. You know it's something in between probably. So, and part of it too, I thought he was he was doing a pretty good job, um, for lack of a better word, forechecking and and trying to get a couple of uh, turnovers going. So I, I just thought it was an overall pretty good performance from him. You know when he's not used to playing that position. All right, guys. Uh, Dan, I'll start with you. Let's talk about Brian Acosta. Where are we yeah. on him? I, I, I don't want to be too critical because, again, it's a guy still relatively new to the team and he's coming back from some Gold Cup play. But I am I'm starting to form an opinion that he's one of these hot or cold fellas and you either get a really good performance or you get a not necessarily a bad performance. You just don't seem to get, you don't leave the game going, man, he was great. You just forget about him. It's exactly as you say. Um, you know, you either get hot or cold. He's, uh, he's trying the long shot and going horribly over. Um, you know, you could almost say it's, it's kind of one of the reasons that Hunt's a conservative. This is your record signing, uh, four million something and you know he he's definitely not bringing that much value right now in my opinion about acosta and i'm gonna say this without looking it up as i bet you that the games you thought he was bad versus the games you thought he was good or the games were bad with when he was playing is the as a as a double pivot as the six eight hybrid with Cervania. and the games you thought he was good was when he had a single behind him whether it would be grezzo or there'd be Surio and he was playing as a traditional box to box eight more, more balanced with Paxton single pivot versus double pivot because Acosta's best game is when he gets forward and he plays those, those splitting passes. It's when he, when, when Paxton bursts into the holes and Morangi's not wrong, excuse me, Acosta fills in underneath and gets those laid off shots. Those are his best qualities in his best game. And when Lucci asked him to play that deep six, eight combo role, He's horrible defensively as a six. He's often out of position and doesn't and either compresses too far back with the center backs or he's not, um, you know, in the middle where he needs to be one or the other. And, and it's just every time I've not liked him, it's been when he's been playing in that deep position. So I, I think a part of that, actually, I put on Lucci and I've been saying it way back when he first started using Acosta in that position. Lucci did. I thought that's a terrible idea. You know, you got to figure out how to have well, unfortunately, Brandon Servain is playing really well. So which one are you going to take out? I don't know. If you want Acosta to be his best, you got to put somebody like Grezzo behind him or you're not going to get the it's, best out of him. It's kind of strange because Acosta does play there for Honduras. He does play that kind of dual 6-8. He does play the 10, and he does play like a pure 6. And Just in this, in this FC Dallas system, he just doesn't – he seems to be kind of hot and cold. Um, Against Sevilla, he, you know, spreading the ball around, spreading play around, anticipating the way that Sevilla played, and maybe that's just from playing in Spain, he was by far and away the most confident player on the field. But then we'll get to another game, and he's tentative in his runs, uh, which is weird because that was something we saw him so freely do to see, uh, at the start of the season was his off-the-ball work was just phenomenal. Uh, he seems to kind of almost be dropping away at that sometimes, you know, maybe like say is some kind of uh, inexperience within 
the specifics of Luchibol. And then this week we also uh, got a nice little feature from Bobby Warshaw on the league website is Bobby did a little bit of a radio, a video uh, review of Reggie Cannon uh, making a nice run and play and pass that uh, ended. I think that's the sequence that leads to the aforementioned Barrios moonshot. Uh, but that's something that we, you know, those of us who have been watching the team closely have been pretty aware of, but it's nice to see some, a national level uh, notoriety about some of the nice things the team does. Yeah. In particular, um, what Lucci wanted from Reggie, because Reggie always just wanted to get forward. So, uh, you know, with, with Reggie in particular, what uh, he talked about at the beginning of the season was that he didn't want Luch, uh, Reggie to just get to the end line and cross. He wants him to um, make that diagonal penetrating run, which is obviously his wrong foot, but he still wants him to do it you know, and sort of get underneath the strikers and fill into the hole because he wants his outside backs to be part of that sequence too, filling in underneath the strikers and underneath the wings. So, um, you know, and, and, and having Reggie play in combinations, not just sprint, you know, and be a one dimensional player. So it's nice to see uh, a guy like Reggie sort of embracing some of those characteristics and playing in a way that's different to what his he's has traditionally played. So, and maybe too, some of that is rubbing off from the national team because that it's not quite that, that hybrid stuff that uh, Bearhalter's doing, but you know, I'm sure the elevated play of the gold cup and the players around him is, is probably make Reggie feel really confident about himself and come back and do some good things. All right. So that game is at 7 PM. Oh, the dreaded 7 PM kickoff. Why can't we kick games off at 8 PM? Uh, so that game is on Saturday. Real Salt Lake comes to town. The game is on, uh, Texas 21, which if you, uh, if you well, if you're on uh, AT&T or direct TV, obviously there's a blackout going on. Everybody knows. And then there's a whole bunch. You can't get it vers- via ESPN plus, uh, because of those blackout restrictions. But I will comment, uh, our friend Walter, I thought had a really, really great idea today. Uh, on, and he, he put it on Twitter, which said, if I was a bold soccer marketing team, I'd be like, quote, send us a picture of your TV with your TXA 21 channel blacked out for $5 tickets to Saturday's game. And if you want to sit in the hall of fame seats, those are 21 bucks. And I thought that is a sharp idea. That's a really good idea. I I wish they would do that idea. I mean, that would you might get some people buying some tickets and showing up at the game. If nothing else, you get publicity for it. Yeah. I bet you that's pretty creative. Well, credit to Walter uh, for that idea. And unfortunately, well, maybe, maybe somebody will take him up on that, that suggestion and that's what they'll do. So anything <laughs> else? <laughs> <Not> it, <Wayne>. <laughs> We're trying to be positive, Dan, come on. Um, all right. So any other notes about the real Salt Lake game before we uh, get to the final notes and shut this thing down? I got nothing else other than what we talked about. I mean, obviously it's the Paxton thing. That's the question. Yeah. It's a look, the, the Western conference is super tight from top to bottom. It's going to take, uh, you know, I, I, I think either one of us are going to end up being right. They're either going to end up, they're never going to end up at the top of the table at the, this thing. They're going to squeak in or just miss out on that final spot in the uh, top seven for the playoff, because that's just this team. And that's how the other team go. But when I look at the table, I see Portland playing better. I see Houston, uh, Salt Lake, uh, San Jose, all these teams have games in hand on Dallas uh, at least one, if not two, uh, and I'm just really, I, I'm just convinced that this that, that Dallas is kind of in this flat 500 mode, and ever there are just enough teams that are probably on the up that da- Dallas is going to get pushed out at the end of this deal. Well, that that's what makes this Real Salt Lake game such a huge game because this is the proverbial six point game, and this is the team that you're directly battling uh, for one of those last two spots, probably, you know, and they're right behind you in the standings, and so if you win. Not only do you get three, but you keep three from them. So huge six-point game. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, Dan, any notes from the Academy that you should update uh, the curious about? It's been a few. Um, we had the uh, the U.S. Soccer Developmental Playoff uh, Developmental Academy Awards uh, announced. Uh, FC Dallas and Solar SC kind of cleaned up. Uh, Johan Gomez named player of the year. No great shock there. Uh, Bailey, Spar- uh, Bailey Sparks. Uh, of uh, Solar, Trinity Byers. One of the uh, US under-17 girls uh, wins a golden ball there. Everybody apparently makes the uh, the best 11. 
Uh, we also, to be more specific, we had four players from the area called up to the US under-17s. Uh, it's going to be the last camp, really, to the final audition for new players for the forthcoming World Cup in October. Uh, you've got guys like Pepe who are pretty much you know, a shorter place that really didn't need to be there, so they're not. Uh, Surf Dallas is uh, Nico Carrera, who just won a tournament in Japan with Mexico last week, is is going to that now. He's got his U.S. citizenship. So is uh, Seth Wilson, uh, the under-17s keeper, who is also enormous, like China Tussman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, and then, Wilson, uh, uh, Seth would have gone to the Germany um, MLS camp, uh, goalkeeper camp, if he hadn't gotten called to the U-17 camp. So he went to this instead. Uh, and then alongside them, you've got two players. Uh, you've got Solar's uh, Joshua Ramsey, who uh, you know just won a national championship, and uh, Jonathan Tomkinson, who just signed for Norwich last month to play in their academy. Uh, kind of a weird path. He started with FC Dallas, left them for gr- the greener pastures of Solar, and was uh, very free to sign with an English Premier League team. Yeah, how does that. that connection happen, do you think? Does anybody know what the connection is to get him to Norwich? Mm-mm. Dan, I guess, don't uh, you know everybody in England? I, I'm not everybody. <laughs> most. Uh, I mean, all I can assume is, you know, people send scouts to stuff like Dallas Cup to like, well, I mean, he wouldn't have been in the playoffs this year, but, you know, it could well have just been one of those scouts, uh, you know, in England, scouting works kind of weird. Um, everybody is like a freelancer for like four or five different teams, and it's whoever gives the finder's fee. So no. it could have been someone was out working with another club, and they were like, hey, yeah, sign this guy. I'll pick up my grand and a half when you sign him onto the academy or whatever the finder's fee is now. And uh, what's the update with North Texas, uh, North Texas Soccer Club, the formal name? Anything that we should uh, mention here on the pod? Well, there's still eight points clear at the top of uh, USL League One. They had a game against uh, South Georgia Tormentor FC because USL makes teams have geographical locations on their names, which for South Georgia Tormentor FC is stupid. Uh, frustrating nil-nil draw. Um, you know, it was it was just the frustrations of playing against the low block. The same has happened a couple of weeks ago against Greenville. Uh, Greenville are playing against North Texas again tomorrow at Toyota Stadium. Uh, you know, it's it was kind of interesting. We saw something a little bit different from North Texas. See, they played a a diamond four four two to start with, and then. Sort of changed back to uh, a four-two-three-one. Uh, we saw the the new signing Richard Danzo didn't see a whole lot of him doing anything early days yet. But um, you know, this is this is the future of the team. You've you've got uh, Christian Coleman doing Christian Coleman things, Mister One-on-One in the first five minutes. Yeah, I feel like uh, of Ricardo all the. Pepe, I feel like no. I've seen all of of all the. Uh, North Texas highlights of Christian Coleman I've seen of late is <laughs> are him with open opportunities and and not you know beating the keeper one on one or going wide or something like that. Um, he's at that point. He just need he needs a goal for confidence if nothing else. Man, he's, he's needed know, he's a goal for confidence for literally going on a year and a half yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose the last time he scored, he got dropped. So. Uh, but actually, yeah, he scored. He. He scored against LA, got dropped the next game, came back the next game and got injured. Yeah. Sat out for a while, then got injured in practice. Yeah. Um, Poor Christopher. Yeah. He, yeah I mean, uh, you know, we, we all know the story. Technically a fantastic player, just not in front of goal. Uh, we also saw Pepe look surprisingly human. He missed a penalty. He's uh, now a couple of games without a goal and... You know, that run in the first team is great for him. He's looking like a more physical player now and like he's he's learned a bit, but you know, not having regular ninety minutes seems to be you know, kind of damaging to his form. 
Well, hopefully uh, we'll see more of him soon as well. So, Buzz, now that you're back from your three-week sabbatical of uh, traversing this fine country of <laughs> ours and seeing its some of its more beautiful spots, what is the one uh, point of interest you have most that you're hoping to uh, see from the team now that you're getting to go back and, and watch them on a regular basis? Well, I'd, I uh, want to see the new guy in person, Gaiasi. Um, I've only seen him on TV, so you, you can't really, I don't think you can really judge a guy from, you know, 10 minutes in a game. I need yeah. to go watch him train. So, um, I'm going to be really interested in that. Um, you know, I, the big question for me going for the rest of the season, because honestly, like this is not a season where you're going to challenge for anything in the playoffs. Cause if you, you know, without, without a top line striker and Baji's doing good things and he's going to. If he scores four more goals, he's going to get 10 and make me look like a genius. But, um, you know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to win you an MLS Cup. So it's like, you know, this is not a win at Cup season. So the rest of the way is going to be, um, you know, how good is Paxton going to be? Can they re-sign him? They should re-sign him. If they pick up his option, they're screwing him. Um, is he going to get into the Olympic team or captain Olympic team? Is he going to get into the national team? And those are the things for me that are going to be interesting. Brandon Cervania's run looks fantastic. but does that work long-term with him and Acosta both? I don't know. That's a tough, I mean, Lucci doesn't like a double pivot. He likes it. He prefers a single pivot, but um, you know, it's, he's kind of what he's stuck with right now. And I also want to see John, Johnny Nelson get healthy um, and get, see him get a run again, because as much as I like Ryan Harling said, I want to see Nelson become a starter at left back. And I want to see what's going to happen with, um, Reggie Cannon going or not going. And if, and if they're ready, if he does go, is Brian Reynolds ready to start? Or are we going to end up with Brisson for as a, as a static right back for the rest of the season? So, all right. Uh, that's uh, a lot more than one. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm actually, you, you brought up Paxton again, which leads me to one thing I did want to talk about real quickly, which was, um, uh, earlier this week, uh, there was a profile on MLS soccer about, um, the new guy from Gremio. I can't remember his name to save my life. Andre. Andre, thank you. And uh, the headline was, is that FC Dallas hopes that Paxton Pomacall stays with the team another two to three years. And then, you know, you read the article and he says, yeah, we've had some interest and this is going on, but, you know, our goal is to see him stay uh, for this amount of time. And and I... I my initial reaction was is that if Paxton Pomichol is still playing for FC Dallas at the end of not this season but the end of next season and I'm this is an extreme case for me my sense is is that the wheels will have flown off of his career because I can't understand how that guy would end up staying in Major League Soccer past this season much less the entirety of all next season um, if unless something, and I don't mean like in a Kellen Acosta way, I just mean that his form drops off enough that the interest level is in him, uh, doesn't demand the price that Dallas would want for him. Buzz, you seem to think that Paxton does have in mind the idea of sticking around for a, yeah. a longer period of time. Well, the important thing to understand is that FC Dallas has two options on him. So they, in theory, they could be douchebags. Can I say that on this show? Sure. And pick up his two options. And then turn down every offer and he could be stuck here for two more years if you want to look at it that way. So that is entirely hypothetically possible. But um, I think that what Zanata's talking about, Henry Zanata, the TD, I think he, the two to three years to me is a new deal, two, three seasons, and he'll play that, Paxson will play that deal out. Now, what I have heard, I have not directly talked to Paxson about this, but people that know him, you know, you hear things just like we heard Arangis was homesick, just like we heard, way back when that Diaz was looking to go, just like we heard that Acosta wasn't happy with things when uh, Kellen Acosta wasn't happy. Like you hear stuff. So what I hear is that Paxton kind of wants to stick around for a couple more years. He wants to sort of be the leader of this team and wants to kind of grow with this team for a couple of seasons until he's in his lower 20s, you know, 21, 22, 23-ish. That's kind of what I hear. So I think that there's a good chance that he – um is going to stick around. I think there's a good chance that Dallas will give him a new contract that it's a two or three year contract because part of the deal with contracts is you have to pay him. Um, you, or you don't have to, you need to pay him relative to his value to your team or he and his agent are going to start doing funny stuff 
like he's going to go to Turkey and not come back. But, you know, um, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that Paxson, because he is the unicorn, he is the linchpin of your team. He is the homegrown face of the team that, you know, they want to keep him here. And I think he wants to be here. So I'm actually optimistic that he'll actually play maybe two more seasons, maybe three more seasons here with FC Dallas. And I think it's going to be great. Yeah, I just, uh, my feeling is, is that if he is here after too much more time, one of two things has happened. His, 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 he's had a dip in form and interest has waned, or he is the modern day Landon Donovan. And I don't mean that as a criticism, because to compare anybody to Landon should be seen as a compliment. But Landon was a guy that didn't want to be overseas. He wanted to be in the United States. And maybe Paxson's that kind of guy. But, man, that will come at a great disappointment to a lot of people if, in fact, that's how it turns out. Well, you know, a couple of years I don't think is that bad because, you know, what we talked about all the time with young Americans is that if you go, you need to go and you need to play. And you can even look at Arangis and flip this. Flip Arangis, if you will. Arangis came here from a former coach who then left and he was left with a coach that didn't sign him with a system he didn't fit in and he didn't play and he stagnated. So like you can flip that as an American. If you just go because you want to go, you can go back to Breck Shea. If you want, he went to a system where he didn't fit and then the coach changed and then he didn't play. So it's like the same thing's true with Paxton, right? He just came out of the U twenties and he wants to be the, in the Olympic team and he wants to break into the national team. Hypothetically, I assume. So like he needs to be playing to do that. And if he's a star, of an MLS team and an MVP candidate in the league, he's going to put himself in pretty good position because he's only 19. Remember? So if he takes two more years, he's 2021. 20, that's, that's okay. Now the, uh, the, the other side of the coin that I've talked about this a couple of times is that um, it, when you look at as a scout, when you're looking at Paxton compared, and I'm just going to use another FC Dallas players as, as an example, compare him to Brian Reynolds, if you will. Like uh, European teams, and you and I have talked about this, Peter, they look at a guy like Brian Reynolds, who's 6'3 and runs like a track athlete, and they think, boy, wow, if I can get that kid some coaching, what can I turn him into? Whereas you look at Paxton, and Paxton is tiny, which is not the end of the world. We all know they're small players. But Paxton plays like Bobby Ryan. He plays at 100% maximum effort all the time. So if you watch Paxton, you, you don't look at Paxton and go, okay, as a scout or a coach, what can I do to Paxton? to make him better. Right. I'm not saying Paxton's not a great player. He is a great player. Um, I'm just saying that like, if you're a European scout and you're looking at Paxton, are you thinking, okay, I'm going to give them enough money that FC Dallas is ready to pull the trigger and sell him. Right. You know, like, do I see that guy in him? Do I see something in him that I can take to a next level? Wonderful, wonderful player. But will, will a scout's valuation match the FCD valuation? And that's where I don't know. You are talking about a guy that's only played half a season now as the key kind of player. So it's potential versus performance. And that's where I don't, I don't necessarily know that think that right this minute you'll get an offer for Paxton that will match what FC Dallas thinks he's worth. You see what I'm saying? I do. I, I yes, I do. But I, Dan, my question to you, because I think you probably have more knowledge about this than anything else, is what would a salary increase for Paxton need to be from Dallas to overcome whatever offer he would get from a European team? Yeah, I honestly think the only person who could answer that would be be Paxton himself. Well, no, no, no. I mean, what, what, what does a guy like Paxton at 19, 20 years old get a call to go to, you know, Germany or France or even England or any place else? What kind of salary do they end up making uh, in a in a deal like that? Let's see, so currency conversions in my head. Uh, I mean, like he'd have a he'd have a decent shot at a million. All right. So if he's looking at making a million dollars of signing a signing a deal with a German club or any European club, is the are the Hunts prepared to pay him an equitable amount of dollars to stay with Dallas? And or is Paxton Paxton of the uh, mental uh, concept of uh, or position of thinking, you know what, I really I the money isn't important to me. I need to be playing. I need to be starting. This is my hometown club. This is who I love. And I'm willing to give them the hometown deal to stick around for an extra year or two. Honestly, I could see it being the other way. 
that FC Dallas get the offer they want, and Paxton's like, no, I'm good. I'll, uh, I, I want to grow a little bit more. And, and they're like, well, hold on. The hype, we don't want the hype to die down and this be the best offer we ever received. Because, you know, like Castillo, they turned down a $5 million offer and then, ex- and then ended up ex- having to accept one for a million less over the course of the loan and everything. Uh, a little bit different in terms of how it got done, but, you know, they kind of don't want to get burned by that fire again. Yeah, this continues to be one of the most interesting aspects of this model that the Hunts are are, are trying to in, uh, execute on, that we really won't know how it plays out until we get another year or so into this and more of these kids kind of, you know, if Ricardo Pepe ends up being a 16, 17-year-old consistent goal scorer, like watching that play out as the rest of the soccer global world wants to glom onto him and, and start writing checks. I, I just think that's going to be a really interesting story and, and, and how the hunts choose to move forward with all this. I, I'm not quite sure they've completely thought all of this all the way through. I want to throw one more name for you actually into this conversation about Pax and Pumical. And that's Don't Emerson Heinemann. No, Emerson Heinemann, right. Who's now 23 and couldn't get a game in the EPL and had to come back. And he's the guy that was in, all the youth national teams, you know, playing, you know, not quite the pivotal role of Paxton, but he actually got into the national team and was actually in the U23 team too. So now he's 23 and now he's coming back to MLS. So it's, you know, it's not always a case of just money, you know, it's, you gotta be playing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a story of maybe a cautionary tale. And you know, you, everyone always assumes that like, I mean, we, for one thing, we don't know what Paxton's off field situation may be. I mean, who knows what he's got going on in his personal life. The kids, you know, 19 <laughs> years old and just graduated high school. So, you know, he's just may, he may have his own plan in his head about when is it time to go? When is it not time to go? You know, his family and his advisors, hopefully were talking to him. You know, it, all that matters is, is when, when he's comfortable, and is he going to play? And, and is Dallas going to compensate him? Because, you know, they could just pick up his number right now at whatever it is. Like it's 180. I don't have it open on the, my window. But, um, you know, for two more years, <laughs> that would be horrible. But, I mean, they got they should pay him what he's worth. And, you know, you got to pay him. You got to look at uh, the guys that are right around his performance level with his team. And that's Arangis and Mascara. And now Arangis is gone. So you got to pay Paxton, in my opinion. You got to pay him somewhere around five dollars $600,000 range if you're going to compensate him for what his performance is, you know, man, the idea that even $500,000 for Paxton seems like highway robbery to me. If I was Paxton's agent, I'd be running for the super hard deal. If you wanted this kid to stick around long-term, unless again, Paxton has it in his head that he's more concerned about his, you know, playing time aspect of his career than the finances of his career. I mean, is he worth what, is he worth what Diaz was worth? Yes, absolutely. Diaz is prime of his career, 27, not, not sale value contract. Yes. I, I here look in my mind, Paxton one Paxton is a legitimate, a, te- a ticket selling draw. Like, you know, I, you can legitimately say you need to come and spend dollars to come to this team's games because of him individually. This is a kid that you are going to be watching play for your national team for the long term. You need to come see this guy. You can build a marketing campaign around this. They haven't, and I'm not sure that they will, but you could do that if you chose to do so. And in my mind, he's absolutely worth whatever they were paying Diaz and more, just simply not only do I think he's equally as exciting as Diaz, um, but in a slightly different way, but there is a marketing value to him that you would have never in a billion years gotten out of Mauro Diaz. Sure. But I don't, you know, Paxson's literally started 14 games and Diaz, but you know, Diaz contract elevated way up after he sure. led Dallas to two trophies and was the arguable MVP till he blew his leg out. You know, we're, we're that Pax is not doing that oh, yet. But so I'm just you, saying, like, you're, you're you know. Buzz, you're 100% right. I agree with you. All of this is yeah. predicated on the fact that this, he, his form continues to go up and his value continues to, uh, in terms of entertainment value and, and production continues to rise. I, I totally agree with you on that. But that's, I, I assume that's going to happen. Otherwise, we're back yeah. to where this conversation started, which is, the market really isn't high on him and his form has dropped. And that's the reason why he's still here at the end of 2021. Yeah. I'm going to get 
the end of the season. I mean, they've, they've already been talking about, you know, obviously Carlos Vela is, is going to win the MVP. But, you know, there has been legitimate talk about Tomacol being in that top three, top five. And if he gets an MLS Best 11 or a Young Player Award or, you know, the breakout, you know, that's the, those personal accolades are the kind of thing that, that then get a lot of chatter about need to pay him now. And then suddenly the agent in turn is like, yeah, need to pay him now. Yeah. Uh, he had another I, interesting I just think, side you know, story. I, I, I tried to throw out numbers that I felt were somewhat reasonable, which is a 19 year old kid who started 14 games, but yet his impact and value to the team so far is that he needs to be five, $600,000. That's where you start over the three or four next seasons. It'll go up if he performs, you know, he put some things in there with all stars or whatever. You know, I just don't think you're going to pay a kid a million dollars when he's only started 14 games. So, you know, I do think he's going to be here for a couple of more seasons, actually. I think he wants to be here. So that's where I'm at. I, I actually would be not, I'd be surprised if he leaves right now. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, it would shock me. Yeah. Yeah. That I, I would be delighted because I really want to concede. I want to be able to say that I got to see him play for many years, but uh, I'm on the opposite. I, I will be surprised if he's still here at the, at, at the start of next season, but yeah, well, it won't be many. I just think it'll be two, two or three, as Andre says. I, I, Andre's not says. I think that's about right. And just to be clear, you mean two to three more seasons, not yeah. two to three total number of seasons. I think I think it's one more contract. Really? I think you, t- you give him a two year deal with a third year option, you know, or maybe it's a three year deal with a fourth year option, and then somewhere in the first two to three seasons, you you play out two and then see where he is. Maybe there's a third year and he goes if he's ready. I just you know, nineteen man, you know, and and. He's in such a good spot right now in terms of where his national team progression is. Everyone's talking about him. You know what I mean? And that's playing here. Yeah. If he goes, like if he goes to, I mean, pick a club in England or whatever, and he goes and he's not playing, then the next six months of not playing, maybe he gets in the Olympic team, but he's not going to get that January camp if he's not playing. Right? You got play out this season and see where it goes. Get into the Olympic team, get into that January camp and see what happens. You know, and then maybe if you're feeling great about things, new deal here, you know, if you're 20, you're 20 years old, getting paid, maybe 600,000, maybe 500,000. That's not too bad. Yeah. I also wonder if there's the Christian Pulisic uh, syndrome where if uh, Pulisic has a really good start to his season for Chelsea and suddenly the market's all hot on American midfielders. Oh, yeah. And Paxton goes and helps uh, roll the United States to an Olympic qualifying spot. He's a real leader in that. And suddenly his value is off the charts. I don't know, man. Well, that 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 changes a lot for this winter versus now. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot that can happen this year that could change everything with that kid. But you know, is he going now? I think he's not going anywhere now. No, I think it's no, going maybe it's this winter. But I no, I'm I'm on board. I think he's got you know a couple more years here. I think he's good. Wow, yeah. fascinating. All right, guys. Well, uh, good discussion, good conversation. Great to be back with you as always, and uh, looking forward to the game this weekend. Any other last notes before uh, we officially finally get to shutting this thing down? And please don't bring up a topic I wanted to talk about and forgot to because I don't have time to do this anymore. <laughs> Okay, no. I, I can't think of anything Shut else. <laughs> I think we got it all. Awesome. Great talking to you guys. Uh, and thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We will speak to you next time on the next edition of Third Degree the Podcast. Mm-hmm.